Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. Joining me today is Monica Srivastava, Director of Product Management at Byju's. Thanks so much for doing this, Monica. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure actually. Awesome. So Monica, we start all these episodes by getting to know our guests. Uh you know, we have them walk us through their journey uh to where they are today. So let's start with that. How did you start off your career? Sure. So uh pedagogy wise uh, you know i'm an electronics engineer and an mba in information management from spjn institute of management and research um talking about my specific journey um my career path is something like this you know i started with uh, software development for about 3 years uh, right after my engineering and uh, got to do a lot of uh, interesting stuff with respect to embedded software development and testing learned mm-hmm. a lot um and then decided to move on to do mba uh, of course we have our own reasons to do mba mine was to get you know a step change in my career to be honest okay. and also okay. um, you know kind of uh, move towards the business side of things <clears throat> so um thereafter i did my mba for 2 years in spjn and i got hired in a management consulting firm uh it was a boutique consulting firm called uh, patiglio rabin todd migrath prtm management consultants that eventually got acquired by pwc so okay. i spent about four uh, four and a half years doing management consulting um i loved consulting most of my projects were related to product development uh, supply chain um you know market assessment or uh, due diligence etc so it was fun doing consulting it involved a lot of traveling and uh, in between there was a year when i moved to even procter and gamble a very okay. drastic shift from management consulting to pure play uh, shop floor operations right um uh, i had personal reasons to do that uh, but uh, very soon i realized that i want to come back to consulting so yeah there was a little bit of movement from consulting to operations back to consulting but how it helped me was that i was able to take up more operations and supply chain projects in consulting thereafter and um, with uh, with about 4 4 and a half years in consulting i decided to move to different pastures uh, e-commerce uh, was growing and i thought why not try out an opportunity in uh, you know making uh, lives simpler and so i moved to ola where okay. i was in a very interesting team called partner delight which basically wanted to bring delight in the lives of the driver partners that you you see you know driving the ola cars so it was a very nice interesting uh, pr- uh, you know initiative with a very noble cause but of course there were business reasons to have a partner delight kind of team uh, because that's going to improve the retention of drivers okay so working there i realized that you know if you want to implement any solution at scale you need to go the product way basically you need to productize the solution and that started generating my interest in product function and so 
you know, I did a, a product management within Ola and then moved to Amazon to learn more about product management. So I joined there as a senior product manager in Amazon. Uh, again, great company to learn a lot about how a global company works at this scale, learn a lot about platformization of product. And then inspired by, uh, you know, Mr. Baiju Ravindran, uh, especially the work that is done in Baiju, uh, making products that impact lives of so many students, I wanted to join Baiju. So I, um, I joined Baiju and I'm, I'm having a great time doing product management at Baiju, growing our product from India to global markets and yep, having fun. So in a nutshell, you know, I've taken a journey which is, um, you know, it's, it's been quite a different kind of journey. But uh, finally, I arrived at the career I love the most, which is product management. Though at every stage, you know, every role, I gave my 100% um, and tried to make sure that I enjoy the journey. So I think enjoying the journey is the key mantra. Got it. Perfect. Now, in the span of your career, you obviously worked with a lot of big names, MNCs, even startups. Uh, and, you know, when the company becomes a market leader, like your current organization, uh, for the product team to focus, uh, you know, and uh, for focus on the build, building the product part versus sustaining the growth part, right? Uh, there is a shift in focus. So how does that work with you? How have you tackled such situations where you had to shift from focusing only on the product to, um, you know, high growth? Right, right. I think, see, product uh, management approach is definitely different for even even between companies at the same stage. Um, but having said that, I think the ethos, the, the underlying principle or the pillar, no matter what stage your company is or what stage your product is, remains the same. I think that is one thing I've learned through the companies that I've worked, and that is customer obsession. Mm-hmm. Even in the current role that I have, I think... Uh, each of the winning companies that you come across, one thing is common, and that is nothing precedes the customer. Customer is king. I've, I've seen, uh, you know, those companies do well where customer is the starting point of every product. So that doesn't change. However, approach in product development altogether changes. And um, let me actually try to simplify it with different stages of product management and how things differ between that of a startup to that of a MNC. Uh, Starting with the overall vision, right? The roadmap. Now, typically in a startup, you wouldn't have a roadmap that extends beyond three to four months. Fairly so because there is ambiguity. There is a lot of uh, uh, areas where, you know, you don't have clarity, you know, where the company is going or how the product will be perceived. Whereas if you are in a company which is like a market leader, the product market fit is well established, you're expected to have at least nine to 12 month of roadmap visibility. So that's the difference. A lot of people I see kind of struggle with ambiguity uh, in startup. But I think that's that's also the fun part where, you know, you, you can venture into directions and you can experiment out different things uh, without being constrained by, okay, this is the route that you have to go, right? In terms of the next stage, which is, uh, you know, you know, when you start, uh, you know, at the inception stage of a product, you need to do research, right? And for research, you need to have data. A lot of times with startups, data is a little unstructured. Uh, There's lack of focus also on data-driven decision-making because there isn't much data available. 
Uh, how product managers work through that is they basically do more of play testing, user testing, primary research, you know, develop low fidelity prototypes and then get it wetted with, you know, users, potential users, etc. It could be acting as a possible roadblock for a lot of product managers, you know, saying that I don't have data, right? But, but there are ways to work around it. In an MNC or in an established company, of course, the data is well managed, well maintained, updated. So you have that. And a lot of times the you don't even need to go to the external data because your product is already having so many users that you have a lot of internal user data at an aggregate level that gives you a lot of indications about what's the next thing you need to launch for the user, right? So that's an advantage. Uh, but you need to make sure that, you know, you have a mix of both data-driven approach as well as make sure of qualitative inputs from your existing customers or potential customers. It has to be a mix of both quant and qualitative uh, data. Mm-hmm. In terms of approach, what I've seen is if you are in a startup there's lesser focus on platformization. Obviously, because when you're in a startup, you're working on a product that is tuned to a geography, right? And the focus is on one single user need or a set of user needs. You don't think about how to platformize it across geographies. Whereas if you're working in a company that is global, right? You have to focus on platformization to make sure how you standardize the product across geographies so that making feature releases, et cetera, become simpler. And the customer also gets a consistent experience across all geographies. So that's another difference. Another uh, difference is socialization. I call it socialization because, you know, product as product managers, majority of our work goes into stakeholder alignment, right? When you are in a startup, it's a closed group. Faster mm-hmm. decisions are made. Uh, you're, uh, you know, you, you may experiment out and fail fast, et cetera, et cetera. But when you are in an established company, of course, stakeholder alignment becomes key and rightly so because you cannot develop a product for a standalone that works only for a standalone BU or a standalone geography, right? A lot of product managers might see that as a roadblock or see that as a overhead but but that's the fundamental thing you know that that helps you think from 360 degree involving stakeholders in your decision early on helps you build the right product across which which has all the constraints taken and baked in and come up with the right solution so yeah largely you know these are the differences that i see in a startup versus mnc both have their challenges etc but how I have been able to uh, manage this in whatever roles I've taken is, uh, especially the stakeholder management part is um, tell them the story, tell them the, give them the right context, the approach, the impact, uh, use data for advocacy. Data is king. Nobody's going to question if you show them the right data, right? Also, keep in mind what's in store for them. You're doing something that the other view might just feel, okay, why? But how does it help me achieve the company's goals? You need to have that baked in in your pitch. So, and of course, we all share a common company goal, right? So at the end of the day, if you're able to establish that, the stakeholder alignment becomes a relatively easy path. Got it. So you managed to answer the uh, next question that I had also with this question. So that's great. Um, so I do want to ask though, you know, you've, you've joined this organization by Jews, I think about a year, almost two years ago, a year and a half. Yeah. 
Got it. So when you, you know, uh, move into a new organization at a position that you're in at, at a product manager's uh, position, how do you manage to, uh, you know, get your, your team members to align with your, uh, you know, view of what you intend to do there? Right. And uh, I think there is the time constraint as well. Uh, you need to prove yourself in your new role. How do you get all of your, your team on board with you? Right. So, so there, there are, so the, the most important thing is to identify the boundaries of your team. A lot mm -hmm. of times we feel that the product team is the boundary or that is the area of operation. But frankly, for any product, uh, the boundary goes beyond that. It extends to marketing. It extends to business, like strategy team. It extends to, um, you know, user research. It extends to all the different stakeholders because all of them are trying to do one thing, you know, bring value to the customer. So yeah. try to understand that your team is much bigger, involves stakeholders from different functions. And uh, the way I uh, work is that, I make sure that at every stage, right from the vision or the objective of the product that I uh, envision is um, clearly communicated at different intervals to different stakeholders, uh, very data-backed, highly data-backed, sometimes even using anecdotal customer voice to support that. Um, also, um, try to see how we can kind of simplify, you know, uh, the communication bit, right? Sometimes you also have to see how, how much you need to communicate to different kinds of stakeholders so that they don't get lost, right? right. So simplify the communication, uh, keep them involved at every stage. You don't need to just show them the end product, but let them be a part of the journey. And mm -hmm. of course, communication uh, uh, is a key uh, player here. And uh, yeah, and at the same time, not just that, but also show them the impact of that time to time. The moment you've launched, I think the first 15 days are very critical. So show them how your product is stable. Start showing them the impact of that. Start also sharing the learnings of whatever you launched with them so that they all feel involved and they can also give you that critical feedback that can help you improve in the next version of the product. So I think relationship management, or I would say some form of emotional intelligence works here where you kind of have empathy, not just to the customer, but also the stakeholders who, uh, you know, are very much deeply involved in the common goal of the company. So that's, that's important as a product manager. All right. Since you brought up this topic of communication, that right, I just have a personal question that I want to ask. For someone, uh, you know, heading product and especially in a large organization like yours, do you feel that, you know, by the time you've got maybe feedback, suggestions and other things from your customers, do you feel by the time it reaches you, it would have trickled down and uh, got a little, you know, filtered down and you don't really get to hear your customers like the way they said it? Uh, not at all. In fact, at least at Baidu's, I can tell you that we are so, so plugged in, uh, you know, no matter, you know, what level you are at, everybody mm -hmm. is very, very well plugged in with customer feedback. And okay. again, thanks to the customers for sharing the feedback, good or bad, but because what happens is that, you know, we, we have, uh, so, so as a product manager, you always have data right? You have immense amount of data of usage of your product. So that's not going anywhere. And everybody right from, you know, an analyst 
to an APM, to a PM, to everybody has access to that data, right? So that's the first stage of uh, moment of truth. Second, we do a lot of, uh, you know, information sharing between teams where there are meetings just to discuss what the customer said, discuss what the customer is feeling. And I, I believe a lot of these companies, a lot of companies should actually do that, where, you know, you have a meeting where you just discuss customers and what their what are the issues that are facing what are some of the delight things that they've spoken about uh, without an agenda just to hear you know how your product is being received so that is one thing i think consciously we do a lot here uh, because again it's a customer obsessed company so uh, every meeting every discussion circles around customers so that is one thing i think companies should proactively do like it happens in my company so, I mean, uh, if I'm not wrong, Baiju's is the most uh, valued uh, tech startup in the world. Yep. Got it. So I'm sure for someone who heads pr- a product, right, you're constantly trying to come up with new things, new ideas. How do you do that? How do you keep you? I, I think constant change is something that comes when you're at your position, heading a product like yours. Uh, so how do you keep coming up with newer ideas? Sure. So um, there are, I think the, because if you, if you look at, uh, you know, the ultimate belief that we have, which is to generate love for learning, right? Yeah. So we continuously try to innovate around ways where, uh, you know, we, the learning doesn't stop and the love for learning continues to be generated. So, you know, situations changed. We had the pandemic coming in and uh, it has actually led to a massive um, mind shift, mind, uh, mindset shift amongst parents also, right? Where mm-hmm. online learning has become a vital part of mainstream learning. And that was an opportunity that we realized and we started to make sure we leverage all that we have to even, you know, scale up the kind of, uh, uh, you know, main uh, learning that we could provide to uh, children and uh, i think the way we come up with uh, newer product features etc is driven by multiple sources one is of course um, uh, you know some of the areas where we think you know where research has gone in terms of building skills right so we kind of build product features around them and some of them are definitely coming from customer usage pattern where we where we have customer requests on certain features where they want to say personalize something even more or uh, trying to make things more accessible to them so those are you know uh, the sources so you know we use primary research focus group discussions a lot of play testing also happens with real kids you know and uh, we also look at the user journeys, we look at customer feedback surveys, uh, we look at, uh, you know, general uh, sentiment of customer on our product. And that's also a key driver for us to come up with new features. But the end of the day, it's always to generate a love for learning so that there is a positive impact in the child, right? That impact or learning impact is very important. We don't do features that, uh, you know, don't have an impact in the lives of child you know whether it generates love for learning whether it has a learning impact that's very important whenever we decide a feature to bring in got it got it okay that's actually valuable advice i'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to take note of that as you've just said that 
Now, moving on, uh, as a company grows, uh, the product team also transitions to a more intense phase, focusing on execution and introducing the right level of process. And this means that the company also needs more manpower. The team needs to expand scale. What are some of the key traits that you look for uh, when you're hiring team members for your team? You know, what sets them apart from uh, the crowd? Right. So I think the standard, uh, you know, uh, product manager um, traits, I think everybody knows what are some of the skills you definitely need. Of course, you should have experience in, uh, you know, uh, user research, coming up with customer insights, feature prioritization, all of that is there. But something specifically that I definitely look for is that you should have delivered a value to your customer through the product that you've launched. You know, in your previous company, it need not be a Google or a Microsoft that you come from, but whatever company that you come from, you should have delivered significant value to the customer. That's important. Uh, Technical skills to some extent uh, is important so that you understand, uh, you know, uh, the technical conversations and you are able to make a point and also uh, get stakeholders, like especially the engineering stakeholders aligned on the goal that you're working on. Um, but apart from that, one thing is very important is, you know, especially since you talked about um, process-driven approach, I also kind of ask questions related to how well the user, the, the candidate has been involved in project documentation, controlling the development process, and how is his platform thinking, his or her platform thinking? Because uh, at the end of the day, if the companies are growing, uh, scale becomes very important. So whatever feature that you come up with as a product manager, you need to think about it from a scale perspective. So how has been your experience or what is your general thought about platformization? Of course, we also look at communication skills. Like I said, it's paramount. And uh, also, you know, how, you know, the, the kind of questions that I ask are twofold. One is, of course, behavioral question, because that tells me, you know, how in different situations the candidate has reacted. That gives a lot about how the candidate manages relationships and how the candidate will have the potential to manage stakeholders. And of course, there are other kind of questions where I ask them about, uh, you know, given a feature, how would you improve this? So that's the other kind of question that I ask. But yeah, these are largely the skills that I look for. All right. Moving on to our uh, last question. To determine the product or market fit, the best way is to see the satisfaction of the customers. And you mentioned this earlier as well. And how many users love the product? Similarly, within the organization, it's very important to understand that every employee is you know equally passionate about the product they're building. So how do you ensure that your employees or your team members are on the same page, they have the same juice, the same passion towards what you're building? Okay, this is interesting because um, I think right at the hiring stage, you, you need to gauge the kind of interest that you have, especially say, for example, at Baidu's, we definitely, and, and uh, you know, the product that I'm working is for age group uh, four to eight. So you definitely need to sense that kind of uh, excitement that the candidate brings in um, from their side for a product of this genre, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's passion for learning, passion for making uh, products that give delight, that impact, uh, you know, learning outcome for children, etc. But once they are in, of course, it's it's definitely more important to keep them motivated. So the way I follow is I involve my team early on, right from vision. I mean, uh, I think most 
uh, it's it's a tried and tested me- mechanism you know um enable and empower people and involve them early so number one is involvement at each stage number two is and this is a little um, probably not very common share the good news early you know if you if you've launched something uh, which might be just be an experiment rolled out to say n percent of users but if you've seen success share that share that because that motivates lot of folks because they are able to see the fruits of their outcome you don't really need to start counting on the revenues before that share early successes so that they're all together um also show them the bigger picture and what will happen if we do this and when when you when you share the bigger picture or the dream that probably the company has and that actually becomes your dream then you know start motivating them at each step you know smaller big because uh, at the end of the day what do all of us want right just acknowledgement of the fact that we are going in the right direction and um, you know as a manager also double up as a mentor double up as a mentor because we've all gone through that path where you know there are area, areas where there was ambiguity we didn't know if we're doing the right thing so try to make sure that you know um they have your uh, you know they have that kind of uh, uh confidence that you're there for them and uh, make sure that you all have a common goal ask them to set the goals based on what they see so that you know you you know the, the word the words like you decide are very powerful try to make more use of that you know give them that uh, enablement to take decisions and uh, encourage them to uh, you know experiment fail but fail fast and celebrate their achievements and make sure that they have that belief that they're going in the right direction and then of course the passion i think the genre in which we are working uh, itself is such an exciting space that you know really i don't have to do anything more to build that kind of delight in the team correct got it so monica thanks so much for your time today all the advice that you've given i'm sure our listeners are going to take it and uh, implement it in their lives as well in their careers as well so thanks so much for that in case our uh, listeners would like to connect with you uh, are you available on any social media handles uh yes so i will share my um, i think linkedin link with you sure sure we'll be sure to include this uh, in the description for the podcast and uh, yeah so thanks so much for doing this with us i appreciate you taking time off uh, you know to do this and you know for helping our listeners and giving the advice that you have given us thank you junius it was a pleasure talking to you awesome